Amen. Good singing this morning. It's good to see everybody. If you're visiting New Life Baptist Church today, we welcome you. And as I said, I think last week, uh, there's our, always our hope that anyone here, whether you're a part of the church family or just visiting uh, this particular day, looking for a church, we hope that while you're here, you'll feel welcomed and that you'll be edified through our service, being built up through the Word of God and through really just the encouragement of being with one another in fellowship. If you would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to be this morning as we continue our study uh, today on the spiritual gifts, looking at the uh, title of this Concerning Spiritual Gifts. All right, so Concerning Spiritual Gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. get situated here there i am i'm flashing red up here though so i don't know if that means my battery's about dead or what but uh, we worked our way through the first 13 verses of chapter 12 and we're going to continue here really picking up at verse 13 and uh, i'm just going to read uh, three or four verses here from this chapter and then we're going to work our way back through the first uh, the 13 through 27 all right so uh, if you pick up with me there, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, we see that the Word of God says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Verse 14, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. And then we'll go down to verse 26. In verse 26, it says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name thanking you, Lord, for the great privilege of being able to um, join our voices together today to, Lord, seek to give you the glory that is due to your name, and Lord, to do so really just in the beauty of holiness. Lord, the, the beauty is not ours, but it's yours, and we seek to just represent who you are in your holiness through the songs that we have sung. So, Lord, I thank you for that great privilege that we have on this side of heaven because we know in heaven one day, Lord, we will gather around the throne and with a multitude of heavenly hosts and worship you. Father, I thank you that we can do that now, being justified. Though we are still in our sinful state, Lord, we are declared righteous uh, through Jesus Christ, your Son. And we can now in our sinful state still offer to you praise. 
So we've done so today. And now as we come to your word, Lord, uh, it is our desire, it's my desire that you would use me to just present your word, to proclaim your word to your people, your church, that it might be for their learning and for their uh, edification. So uh, use this word today, Lord, I pray in the life of this church to accomplish your will and be glorified through us. Thank you for everyone here. I pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who took our sins upon himself on the cross, died, was buried, and rose again victoriously and is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. In his name, amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12. We're looking at this concerning spiritual gifts. This is part three, and the subtitle here is You Are the Body of Christ. As we come to look at this chapter, we see that Paul is really using the human body as an analogy here. because, And that's nothing that is unusual because we're going to see that he did that previously in chapter 10. He uses the image of the body because it's appropriate as we are the body of Christ. Uh, using the image of the body is personal, it's understandable, it's applicable. We can all understand the importance of the body since most of us have one. And we see also here that in this chapter, the word body is used 18 times in verses 12 through 27. So you see just what an emphasis it is in these verses or in this passage. There's a progression here. Paul in verse 27 says that you are the body of Christ. And then in verse 28, he says, it says there, and God has appointed these in the church. So he's using this imagery of the body to picture the church, what the local church is. The body of Christ is uh, the local body, the local church. Paul has already used this body motif in chapter 10. You can flip back over there with me real quick, and I'll let you at least see that over there in chapter 10, where he says in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 10, and talking about the Lord's Supper and idolatry as well, and how the two cannot be blended together, worship of the Lord and worship of idols. In verse 16, he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of, I'm sorry, the communion of the blood of Christ? And I may have misspoke on that a moment ago, but the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? He goes on in verse 17, For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So you see him already here talking about the body and that we are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. When we take the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of that, that we are all a part of that one bread and find supply from that one body, the Lord Jesus. So just like the human body, uh, in the human body there is design, there is purpose, there is function in each part, so it is with the members of the body of Christ. Now, uh, having said that, that will bring up a topic that I'll just uh, uh, quickly address, and that's church membership. We will see in chapter 12 where, where he will say several times that we are members, members of one another, members each of uh, members each of them phrases such as that and one of the things that is important for the security of a church is church membership 
uh, it would be uh, negligent of the church to allow you know, people to come in and just uh, take part in church services and even have a say-so in the direction of the church without them saying that we want to fall under the uh, leadership Uh, We want to follow the leadership of this local congregation and we want to be committed to this congregation in church membership. So being members of the church is important because it lets the church elders know who they are shepherding and it also gives rights and privileges to that church member to have a say-so, to have a service in that local body, the church. Now, having said that, again, we're going to have a discovery class beginning next week. If you have been visiting New Life Baptist Church for a while and are perhaps interested in becoming a member here, we're going to begin a new members class that we call the discovery class, God willing, next week during our small group time. And if you are thinking that the Lord might be leading you to be a part of this local congregation, then please see me about that. And I can give you more details about that church uh, new members class next week. Uh, One commentator has said about this, that in order to accomplish his work on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood. In order to accomplish his work today, Jesus has a body that consists of living human beings. And that's all of us as a part of the church. Another has said, David Pryor from the message of 1 Corinthians, Life in the Local Church, He said to be truly spiritual drives a person neither to ecstasy nor to individualism nor to otherworldliness but into the life of the local church as an expression of his personal commitment to Jesus as Lord and to his body here on earth. So with that being said, we'll move to our first point today and that is many members yet one body. We'll go to point number one. Many members, yet one body. All right, there we go. Many members, yet one body. We see this in verses 13 through 25, and we're really going to have some sub-points here. If you want to write down some sub-points that I don't have up on the screen, the first thing that you could write from verse 13 is same drink, same drink. Because here in verse 13, as we've already seen, that one spirit uh, has baptized us all into one body. We know that we are baptized, that Jesus baptizes us with the spirit because uh, John the Baptist said that he came baptizing with water, but there will come one after him who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Christ will come and baptize and he did come and he has baptized the church with the Holy Spirit. And then that spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, making us all one in the body, the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. The physical expression of this is water baptism by immersion that we have seen in recent weeks where they were baptized, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That is a physical expression of a spiritual reality that takes place in the life of the person who has been born again, the person who has been saved, who has been converted. So we see here this spiritual union that takes place. And then at the end of verse 13, it's for Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Think about a ship that is um, 
that has been baptized in water is actually been covered in that water. It has sunk into the water. Not only has that ship uh, gone into the water being baptized, but that ship has also been baptized with that water. It has been, it has taken that water in. It has absorbed it in. It has become full of it. And so we see here that we are drinking of the Spirit. The Spirit of God enables us through its giftings in our lives to fulfill the ministry which the church has to do. And we are a people who are called to be filled with the Spirit. Just like one body, the arms and legs and the brain and the heart and the lungs drink in the water at the mouth. The whole body is benefited from the water that it takes in. And so it is. We as the church drink of one spirit and are blessed by it. Being filled with the spirit is not something that we should be afraid of. As a church, that is something that we ought to seek. The Bible says in Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, when the church there was being persecuted for the preaching of the gospel and for works that were being done, they prayed for boldness and that they would be filled with the Spirit of God. And so it was that God answered their prayer and blessed them. So the same first thing that we see here is the same drink. The second thing that we see is in an, an intentional design in verses 14 through 23. And this is going to be a large port, portion of our um, message today as we work our way through these verses, 14 through 23. So intentional design. Let's look at these together. Verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now, I don't know if Paul is trying to be sarcastic here or not, but we will see um, how he addresses this with the Corinthians. Because frankly, they were all um, wrapped up in spiritual gifts and they were looking at what gifts were better than other gifts. And some of them were seeking to have gifts that were better than other people's gifts. So much so that they probably began to view gifts such as apostle, not as a uh, high-profile gift, not as an important gift in the church, but as one that is diminished and unimportant. And they were more interested in having words of wisdom and words of knowledge and speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues and doing healings and miracles. But apostleship is not an important thing. You see, they were looking for things that were exciting and things that would bring attention to themselves rather than to glorify the body. So it's kind of with that that we work through this in verse 14. Verse 15, he says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer? No, of course, that's ridiculous. Yes, you are a part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, that's false. That's ridiculous. You are a part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And then verse 19. 
And if they were all one member, where would be the body? But now there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. All right, so in these verses, we see some of these things. We see that it, each member makes the body. We see in 15 through 22 that the weaker members are necessary. We also see in 23 that the less honorable members are, um, they get more honor. That the unpresentable parts have a greater modesty and that the presentable parts have no need for modesty. And then in verse 24, that greater honor is given to the part that lacks it. We see in this that there is intentional, there is intentional design in the body. Just like it is in the human body, so it is in the spiritual body of Christ. And as we keep this in mind, we realize that the Corinthians were beginning to look down on those gifts like apostleship, like I said. So when Paul here is talking about unpresentable parts, parts that get less honor, he may very well have in mind not like the gift of helps, but the gift of an apostle that is given to the church. And I think we'll see that more as we work our way through all of these things. So there's intentional design. You know, you might see in this, and I'll, I'll use the uh, two different parts of the body of the, the eye and the feet. All right, so if the eye is a presentable part and your feet are an unpresentable part, we can kind of see where, what Paul might be getting at here. We Most of us don't have to do a whole lot to our eyes, right? I mean, I know... You ladies use some makeup and things like that. I won't get into all of those things. But your your eyes are pretty well your eyes, you know. But your feet, most all of us today have on shoes. And uh, we can even spend a whole lot of money on our feet, can't we? Uh, it would be something if the eyes looked at the, all of your shoes in your closet and said, why do you get all of those shoes? I don't have hardly anything to put on my eyes. One pair of sunglasses, two pair of sunglasses, but look at all those shoes. It's just not fair. That unpresentable part is getting all of that honor and getting all of that attention. Paul is sort of drawing that analogy out here. And he wants us to see that in the church, every part is important. That every part does not have the same function, but every part is very important intentional in God's design. So there is intentional design, but we also see in here in verse 24, verse 18 and 24, that there's one designer, one designer. We see here, same drink, intentional design, and now one designer. Back up in verse 18, it says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. 
Now, you might reflect back on verse 11 and say, but I thought the Holy Spirit is the one who's sovereign over the body and who's sovereign over these gifts. He is. But it says here that God did it according to how He pleased. And I'll say He did. The Father, the Spirit, and the Son are all one and they work together as one. And here God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And then down at verse 24, you see at the latter part of that verse, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. So He has indeed composed it. And that word composed means He has fit it together. He's made the body just as it is for the purpose which He has intended for it. In verse 11, we see that the Spirit works all these things, distributing, verse 18, that God has, um, that God has arranged these, set each member in its place, and He's composed them and appointed them. Now we see finally in verse 25 that there is no division. Verse 25, no division. It says there that there should be no schism in the body. The word schism is a word that means division. And the Corinthians knew something about division. We see early on in this chapter or in this book, this writing that Paul says of them that there were some in the church who said that they were of Paul. Some said they were of Cephas. Others said they were Apollos. And some said they were of Christ. So they certainly knew something about division. And Paul is telling us here that in the church, as God has arranged the body, the spiritual body of Christ, that it is no place for division because the body works together for the good of itself as a whole. In verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now, I want to go back to the eyes and the feet thing. Anybody here ever stubbed your toe before? Anybody ever stubbed your toe so bad that it actually turned black and blue after you'd kicked something with it? I, I mean, I have. I've done it multiple times in my life. Most of you probably had have. As many of you go go around barefooted in this church sometimes, I know that a lot of you probably have toes that get that way sometimes. But it, wouldn't it be something if when that happened, the eye looked down at the toe and said, yeah, you finally got what you deserve. Yeah, you get all those shoes to wear. They spend all that money on you, ordering stuff off Amazon for your for you to wear around and to look good in. That's what you get right there. One day you're not walking around with shoes. See how weak you are? You kick that bar stool and now that toe is black and blue. That thing might be broke. Ha! See, the eye doesn't do that. That's not at all. But the eye sees what happens to the toe. And what does it do? It pities it. And it calls our mind and our heart to pity what has happened to that part of our body. There's no schism in the body. No division. Why? Because we love one another. And we're looking out for one another. Alright, so that brings us to our second point. Our second point is this. There's many members, yet one body. And then number two, one member affects all the members. That last illustration leads us right into this verse as we see here in verse 26 it says and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it or if one member is honored all the members rejoice 
with it. We see something similar to this, don't we, in Romans chapter 12. In this chapter, we're going to find that Romans 12 is the other place in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are talked about the most. It's not the only other place where spiritual gifts are talked about, where where they're taught about, but it is the uh, longer portion in the New Testament, the second longest portion. And we see really here the mentality of the church toward one another in the passage that follows this in verse 9 of Romans 12. Because 3 through 8 covers this section here about spiritual gifts that we'll be looking at later. But in Romans 12, 9, the apostle writes, and he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And then in verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see that Paul here instructs the church about the greater of all, um, if you would say gifts, but the greater of all things in the Christian life is love. And, And they're seeking for all of these various gifts. In chapter 13, Paul devotes this entire chapter to the importance of love in the church. And he even addresses some of these spiritual gifts found here in this, in the pre, in chapter 12. Verse 1, he talks about tongues of men and of angels. In chapter 2, the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries. And he says, if you have those things, tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, you've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If you have gifts of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that you could remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. And then in verse 13, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give all my body or give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And he says in verse four and following love suffers long and is kind. 
Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So we see the second point. If one, one member affects all the members in verse 26. And then finally, one body yet members individually. We see this in verse 27. Because he says as much there, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You may have heard before that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus. And really, in a very real sense in this world today, we are. As the Holy Spirit of God, the helper, the paraclete has come and is given to the church we as those who are spirit-filled and the church is unique, there is no other organization, there is no other group of people on the face of the earth that is like the church of Jesus Christ. We are a people who have God, who have the Spirit of God living within us, and then we are therefore doing the work of God. We are ministering in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing else like the church on the face of the earth. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We have ministry teams here at New Life Baptist Church that you may have heard about. And our desire is that every member of New Life Baptist Church would be a part of a ministry team. Why? It's because as members individually, you have a role to play in the church. And if you are not doing your part then the body is lacking in some way. Everything in the human body is important, except for maybe the appendix. I don't know. But listen, don't be an appendix, okay? Because usually you don't really know anything about the appendix until you're in the hospital and they're having to take it out of you. It's because you've been hurting so bad leading up to that that you had to go and get something done about it. So we want to be a part of the body that is functioning in the body for the good of the whole. One body, yet members individually. And so that is the way it is with the church, the local church. We are one. When one of us suffers, all of us suffer. When one of us rejoice, all of us rejoice together. Now, uh, if you'll look at verse 28. We see here that God, that Paul brings us around to talk about how God has appointed these in the church. Then he's going to give a list of other gifts or offices, offices and gifts in the church. What we're going to do is next week, we're going to take the gifts that were previously given in verses 8 through 10, and then these here in verses 28 through 31. And we're going to try to get an idea. We're going to try to wrap our heads around what Paul is talking about in all of these gifts here and understand the purpose why he brings them out. All right, so these one members affect the one body is made up of members individually. And we see that he brings that around to say that God has appointed these in the church. 
So he's talking here about the church, the body of Christ. Now, that brings us to our points of really sort of uh, application. What, uh, what should this learning about the spiritual gifts do for us? We see one body, many members, God's design. So what? What difference does it make that God has done all of this? Let me give you four things, four C words. Number one is this. There's contentment in ministry. There's contentment in ministry. And this is something that most likely the Corinthians were losing out on. They did not have a contentment in ministry in the church. They were always seeking after a greater gift. They were seeking to be better than the person next to them rather than to serve in the role in which God, through the Spirit of God, has enabled them to serve. Knowing and understanding that God enables us, gifts us with these gifts of grace gives us contentment in ministry. And you've heard the word um, charismatic or charisma. The root word for that is the Greek word that we have grace, charis. That's the root word for charismatic or charisma. And the idea there is that God has just given a grace gift. And each person who has a gift of the Spirit, and that's every believer, then you have this grace gift from God through which you can serve and minister in the church. Number two is this, confidence in ministry. We can go forward in ministering in the name of our Lord Jesus because God supplies us with that which we need. You can have confidence in ministry. Now notice here that I didn't put contentment in spiritual gift or confidence in spiritual gift. Because that's not what it's about, folks. It's not about your spiritual gift. It's about ministering, loving one another in the church. And as we do that, the spiritual gifting that God has given to us works its way out in our lives. If you'll flip with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 4. There's a little verse here that's hidden away about spiritual gifts. It's really given in a list of um, items, a list of commands for the church in light of the end of all things being at hand. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, Peter just writes here and he says, as each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see what he says there? We've received this gift, but what are we to do? Minister it to one another. Ministering the gift that Christ has given to us to one another happens best when we are actively serving in the local church. And as we actively serve in the local church, the gift of Christ in our lives is able to be used. Turning back now to 1 Corinthians 12. The third point here is commitment in ministry. Knowing that Christ has given to us, that God, that the Spirit has given to us a gift that we are to steward 
it ought to cause us to be a people who are committed to serving in the local church. And then finally is this, connection in ministry. One of the key words today in churches is that they want to find a place where people, or church, Christians want to find a place where they connect, can connect. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need to feel like you're part of a family. Most of the time when you come to a church and you feel like you came home, let's say you're visiting and you come in and you're a part and you feel like, hey, I feel home. Uh, I feel like I'm at home. It's likely that that's a pretty good fit for you because you should be in a place where you're connected. But connection is more than just feeling. Connection has to be through service in the church, through doing that which Christ has given you the opportunity to do and that you might steward the gift which he has blessed you with. Now, all of this is possible for us, and all of this takes place not because we're a really swell people, right? It's not not because we've uh, got this thing figured out and we came together and thought, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we start a church and we can give gifts to the church and we can um, we can act like there's gifts in the church and people can do different things and have different roles and and we'll just have this great body together. That's not the way it works. This whole thing's not our idea. It's the idea of God. God has done it. And Jesus has accomplished it through his death on the cross. You see, his body was given in our place. Each one of us, individually, if you're a Christian, Christ, when he hung there on that cross, when his blood was shed, it was in your place. You deserved it. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, Jesus has done this. And this thing that we are a part of, this uh, body, this living body, the church, is the work of God as the Holy Spirit works within us and gifts us to fulfill His purpose on earth. So, listen folks, know that this is bigger than any one of us. And when we are all dead and gone, if the Lord tarries, the church will continue here upon this earth because the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection that saves lost sinners, that can save you today if you are undone in your sin, that same gospel will prevail and will continue to have power in this earth to save all those who believe in Jesus Christ the risen Lord. And I want to know today, do you believe? Do you understand the gospel of Christ, knowing who he is? And has that gospel been appropriated to your account? Has God looked upon you not as a wicked sinner in your sin, but he can he now look upon you and see the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the one who rose again from the dead? That's uh, this is what God is doing And we get to get in on it on this side of heaven. And it's all to the praise of the glory of His grace. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You so much for what You have done and are doing. God, we could not, we could not do this at all were it not for You. God, You have saved us and called us with a holy calling. 
And I pray, Father, as we live out our Christian lives, that you'd give us grace, O God, that we may serve you with reverence and godly fear. Father, I pray that we would walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. In Jesus' name, amen.